who knows that God God loves to uh, to move in people's lives, and you know He's He's cool. Well, this morning uh, I wanted to bring a word called "Touching the Sky," and there is you've probably heard it before. There is a song by the mighty Hillsong Church called "Touching the Sky," and uh, no, I'm not going to sing the song. Uh, it's not uh, a word about the song. It's just I like the the name "Touching the Sky," and it's relevant to the message, and so. I borrowed it from Hillsong. Amen. <laughs> Touching the sky. And uh, really, this morning, I, I feel to encourage all of us as a family and, uh, and let you know that I believe that God is continuing to want to help us to, to develop new perspectives and new, uh, new ability to understand that He's wanting to help us to become everything that we're called to be in, in Christ. And so today's message is about potential and it's about perspective. And that's why I've called it Touching the Sky because I feel that God is wanting us to reach uh, out to Him more than ever before, to really reach up to heaven, to reach into the Word, uh, but to actually stretch ourselves and to reach uh, in order for us to be stretched, in order for us to grow, and in order for us to reach our potential, and for God to shape a new perspective. Uh, Last Sunday, it was an absolute blessing to have Pastors Thomas and Sandy minister in our church. Uh, I heard uh, Pastor Sarah and I were on our... um, our family holiday, and it was a blessing to have uh, Thomas and Sandy minister. I heard they do a fantastic job, a powerful word. Let's give them our appreciation. Did a great job. And they uh, brought a message called Beyond Tomorrow, which was all about, uh, you know, no longer focusing on the past and moving forward and continuing to move forward and, and taking authority. And so I want to build on that by talking about, okay, beyond tomorrow, moving forward, let's now reach out and touch the sky or touching the sky and, and look at that this is a season really, uh, this is a season for growth for you. The Lord's saying this is a season of growth. This is a season of stretching and reaching out to God. And through that new perspective is going to come. And new potential is going to come. And uh, so I wanted to start with, with uh, a scripture in Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 to 6. That's where we're going to start today. Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 to 6. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So God needed Abram to see the stars, not the circumstances. He needed God to step outside of his tent. The tent in this story represents uh, circumstances, restriction, uh, only short-sightedness, just looking at the immediate things around us. that would uh, try to inhibit us or label us or define our current situation. But the Lord had to uh, encourage Abram to step outside of uh, him just looking at his immediate circumstances, which is what the tent was, and actually step outside so that he could look up and see the vastness 
of the sky and the stars and to actually count the stars so that God could give him a new perspective and say, this is the vision that I have for you. This is the potential that I have for you. And God didn't say, this is maybe what I have for you. This is kind of what I have for you. But this is what I have for you, that you will be the father of many nations, that you will be a man who is going to be blessed and is going to be a man of capacity and is going to be a man of influence. But it's interesting to see what God had to do first before God could enable Abram to actually look out. And we know that uh, there was a change. There was an impact that took place. Abram's name actually changed to Abraham uh, to reflect the fact that he was shifting out of a perspective of limitation, of small mindedness, of being dictated and defined by his circumstances and his limitations, stepping outside of that into a place where God wanted to say, now look again, look out where you can see beyond your limitations to what can be which is what's the potential, what I have for you, says the Lord. And I think it's important for us to understand that God had to help Abram to see the potential and to shift away from the limitations of the tent. And so what I want to do is I want to start with a little bit of teaching around this, uh, because I feel that the Lord is, is saying this to us, that every single person here, that God is actually wanting to do the same thing with you and I, not that we're living in tents, Thank goodness. I mean, I don't mind camping. Well, actually, I'll be honest with you. I don't really like camping that much. It's all right. It's okay. All right. But, you know, tents, you know, when you're camping, I mean, you know, if you like roughing it, you know, you kind of rough it for a week and then you kind of get over it, right? It's kind of cool at the beginning. You know, you've you got to boil your belly and boil your belly, boil your, 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 your kettle and, and to fill your belly and all this kind of thing. And you've got to start the fire. And, and then, you know, sometimes, particularly if you're really roughing it, you know, you have to organize some kind of a nature style toilet and you can only do that for a couple of days and you get over it and um but there's restrictions around this sense of tent and i hear the lord saying this um we've got to break out of the restrictions of what we've been looking at and focusing on in terms of our perspective even those people sitting here and you naturally know you already are a person of vision even for myself personally where I love to be a person of vision, I hear the Lord saying this, it's time to look again. It's time to reach out to God. It's time to get a new perspective of what actually is beyond our current circumstances to what God has for us. I hear the Lord saying this, it's time, it's time to look again. Look again, because God wants to give us a fresh perspective. I know at the beginning of the year, we always start with a teaching on vision. And, uh, you know, we're almost at the end of this financial year, so we're almost halfway through. But this is not just a word on vision today. You know, I could preach on vision every week, right? Um, I wouldn't want to do that because it wouldn't be balanced. But I I want to say this. This is not a word just because I think it's a nice thing to talk about vision halfway through the year. This is a word that I feel God is saying specifically to you and I that this is a time that we have to start to look again. And what does it mean to live with a sense of vision? Well, vision or purpose compels and motivates us, but it has to be owned by us and it has to be lived out to be realized. So God has a vision for each of us as individuals, but also collectively as a church to take hold of. Big vision is the seed of great faith, whether that be individually for your vision or even as a church community. Big vision is a seed of great faith. And in Genesis, Abram discovers how God's vision for his life was exceedingly and abundantly greater than he alone could ever imagine. At the time, Abram was living in a tent pitched 
in the desert, living a nomadic lifestyle. His family had been under attack from a rebel army, and Abram had no heir. So Abram was living in a tent, not only in a tent represents limitations, but he was living a nomadic lifestyle. He wasn't settled. He wasn't established. He wasn't someone who could start to actually be the seed line to a generation. Because it would just, not only spiritually, but practically, they were moving from place to place to place to place. And so even practically, circumstantially, there wasn't things in place for the potential of God to come forth. And so God had to get his attention. They were moving from place to place and place. They were nomadic. There was no settling for them. They were living in a tent. It was all about the fact that they, there was no heir. There was no, there was no uh, child that had come forth. And so there was no vision or sense of, of, of moving forward practically. And so it's important that God wanted to break through in three things. He wanted to break through in settling Abram eventually becoming Abraham and his wife, Sarah. He wanted to settle. He wanted to build a stronger sense. See, when you've got a vision long-term, you know that there's a principle where you actually have to become, you have to create a settlement in your life. You have to find a place in your heart. You have to find a place spiritually in your house. You have to get planted. But also, uh, you have to find your home and you have to start to commit and persevere in a location geographically. Uh, I know there are many young people who get frustrated with their lives and they've come to me and they go, you know what, I'm over this. I'm just going to go and travel. And I have to say this too. You know that if you go uh, on a plane from Brisbane to Germany, that your problems in your heart are still going to be in Germany with you. Then you're not going to leave them in Brisbane. And I've seen people, now don't get me wrong, I think travel's great. I did a, I did a gap year myself when I left high school. Um, but interestingly, I came back, I actually, it wasn't good for me at all. I wasn't a Christian. I, it wasn't a good thing. We that's a whole other sermon, right? But sometimes I see people think that escaping or getting away or traveling is the key to a lot of their answers when they're frustrated with their circumstances. In fact, God actually wanted to teach Abram the opposite, that first of all, he had to give Abram a fresh perspective and a vision. And from that, he would say, this is what I have for you long term. And one of the keys for you to walk that out and to get closer to it is you have to become someone who's going to settle. You actually have to find a land, a sense of territory. And eventually that's what God did. But first, he had to get Abram to get a perspective of what was going to be the benefits, what was going to be the long-term thing. Let me say this to you. You will never really settle uh, in a particular place, not just in your heart, but even geographically. Um, it'll, it'll always be a sense of temp- temporalness to things um, until you actually get a long-term vision. It's a key principle. And I see it. I see people get very wayward because the Bible says without a vision, people perish. So without a clear long-term vision, not just a, a vision for a year, but a long-term vision, a sense of what, what is it that God's called you to? What is it that God wants you to build? That he wants you to have a family, that he wants you to you know, raise up a family, that he wants you to have this certain career, that he wants you to be established in Brisbane so many times, that he wants you to build a business, that he wants you to establish a generational blessing, that he wants you to see breakthrough in your family, that he wants you to be someone who studies the word and speaks the word and impacts the sphere that he has you in, that he wants you to raise your children and the things of God, that he wants you to also eventually have grandchildren and all those types of things. That's one example of a long-term vision, that when you get that in your heart and you get a fresh perspective, that my life is not just defined by everything that's going around me that I can see in the natural, but by faith, there are things that are coming and I have to get into that place of touching the sky, to reaching out to God, to getting into his presence and his word for God to actually show me that there is something more that he has for me, that I'm a person of potential. And because of that, I actually need to respond to that 
in a way by saying, you know what, I need to make some choices where I settle, where I'm going to position myself, I'm going to plant myself because I know that this thing with God is not just a short-term thing. There's a long-term thing that God wants me to establish. So there's a settling that takes place when you get this type of new perspective. I think the other key thing with Abram is also that he shifts his mindset and how he deals with his circumstances. I've taught this before, um, and I also teach this in the marketplace, but when you think about when he shifted Abram out of the tent and to look at the sky, to reach up and to actually you know, get a feeling for what the potential was and for God to say, count the stars in the sky, because this represents the, the amount of children. You're going to be a father of many nations. What he did, what God did, was God shifted right there Abram's mentality from a chicken mentality to an eagle mentality. What's fascinating when you you study chickens versus eagles is they're very, very different in design because they've got different purposes. And so because they've got different purposes, they've got different designs. So let's all put our biological science hats on for a second and let's go on this biological study journey, all right? If we study a chicken, even if you study a baby chicken as it hatches out of its egg for the first time, it's fascinating what happens. Because as, as the baby chicken hatches out of its egg and it comes out, right, what's interesting is as the baby chicken unfolds its vertebrae for the first time, its natural default position is to have a 45-degree angle with its neck down on the ground. So its natural default stance isn't here or here. This is its natural, this is its comfort zone. It's very, this, is what, this is what a chicken does. And because a chicken, by default, is designed mainly to do what in life? To peck around at its immediate environment, its immediate circumstances. The only time a chicken actually physically looks up is if there's some type of enemy coming to pursue it. Majority of the time, the chicken's comfort zone and default and purpose is just to keep feeding because, you know, chickens are either lay eggs or they get used for meat. Amen? Right? Whether you, I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian here, but, you, you know, let's just flow, all right? Let's just flow with it. Okay, so chickens, if, you have a, if we translate this to a human mentality, when you have a chicken mentality, you kind of focus and fixate. Even going further, you obsess about defining your mindset and your life and your world all about your immediate circumstances and your whole world. And this, this represents the tent, Abram being in the tent. It's all quite restrictive and it's all hemmed in and it's all this is the focus. And so God needed to shift Abram's chicken mentality into becoming an eagle mentality. Now, if we go back to biological science and the baby eagle comes out of the egg for the first time, and it unfolds its vertebrae, its natural default is its neck and its comfort zone is for its eyes to look 45 degrees up into the sky. Why? Because once the baby eagle has nested enough with its mum and it's been fed enough, the mum actually makes the nest less and less comfortable. It takes all the cushioning out and just leaves the sticks, which forces the baby eaglet to go, this is not very comfy anymore. And it starts to actually then to look out, look at the horizon, look at look at the sense of oh wow i could i could go there and i could go there and man i could actually fly over there and and it actually the vision of the eaglet looking out because it's becoming uncomfortable it actually uh, starts to activate hormones in the eagle's uh, body for it to start to even just explore and get a sense of its wings like this and then eventually it gets to the point where it gets on the, the edge of the nest and it it starts to fly 
and it starts and it starts to soar out into the horizon because the the sense of vision, the sense of potential motivates and inspires and energizes the eagle to go and explore its destiny. And we know that eagles are designed to be what? They are the top of the food chain in the bird family. Nothing actually attacks an eagle, right? And they have the ability to have that perspective. They can look down over mountains. They can look down over lakes. They're a, bo- a bird that's, that's, you know, the mindset of an eagle is to look far beyond its immediate circumstances and to actually st- to fly into uh, its potential and its destiny. Who thinks that that's a type of mentality and mindset that God wants us to have? Amen. So even with Abram, who became Abraham, one of the other things was God had to shift Abram's mindset, his perspective, out of being chicken or a chicken mentality into being an eagle mentality. Amen? Cool. The next uh, key step around looking at the benefits is then from there, uh, Abram started to believe eventually as you read the story, it goes beyond. There was no heir. And, you know, we know the story. He was really old. Sarah was really old. But then they started to believe. And so from this perspective came uh, an inheritance, came a generational line, came an understanding that they were called to reproduce. And it wasn't just about them and what they were building, but there was a long-term thing. And so can I say this to you, that God is wanting you to have an understanding that you're called to build a long-term thing. Can I tell you this? When you get this, when you get this into your heart and you get this into your belly, man, it will, it will in itself touch and change your identity because it gives you an understanding that it's not just about you, but there's something far greater than you that's what you're called to establish. And can I say this? It, it blesses your identity. Biggest enemy to this is what we call doubt. So all of what we're talking about is by faith. But one of the key things that helps you to activate faith with this is God has got to get you to see things differently. He's got to get you to see yourself differently. He's got to get your focus off your immediate circumstances. He's got to get you to, to look into the spirit, touching the sky or seeing the stars represents also looking beyond. So let me say this to you, that... God is calling, doesn't matter if you've done this before or if this is new to you, God is calling all of us to get a fresh perspective just like Abram did. And I believe for those three benefits, I think that God wants us to understand that <clears throat> he wants us to settle. He wants us to not settle and compromise, but as in get, get a sense of settlement that you're someone who's establishing something long term, not to be just flown all around by the winds of circumstances and being a temporary person here and a temporary there. It's about being someone who's called to establish something, to get a foundation, to build upon that. Also, we're called to be people who have eagle mentalities, not chicken mentalities. And that's why uh, strategically the pastor Sandy and Thomas brought that word about beyond tomorrow. Let's cut off the focus of the past. Let's start to look uh, into the future, that the eagle mentality is so critical for men and women of God to have victory. And the third thing is we are called to be people who are reproducers. And we're not just talking about our own physical uh, children, right, because uh, that has to happen at the appropriate time and getting married and all that kind of thing. But what we're talking about is we're reproducing. We're making disciples. We're also people who are building things. You're building a career. You're building stewardship in your finances. You're building the mind of God in your life. You're building
building your identity in Christ. You're building your ability to, ability to bless your life and to break off curses, to speak words of life of appeal. You're building your ability to be someone made in God's image where you can create your world with your words. You're building things that are establishing the kingdom of God. Even just you building your life in alignment to the principles of God. Not necessarily perfect, but in alignment to the principles of God. And pursuing that and persevering that gives glory to God, establishes the kingdom of God in your life and representing God here. So it's all about that long-term perspective. Can I get everyone to say amen? So <clears throat> that's one thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of touching the sky. So I think a key here is write down as an action point. Go ahead and write down an action point for me. Specifically, out of those three things, maybe go ahead and rank the things out of priority. Which one's most important? There's no right or wrong answer here. Just allow you and the Holy Spirit in terms of settling, actually start being a person who's not flicking around and being temporary, but someone who's actually going to start to establish themselves. How critical do you think that is in your world right now? Being someone that shifts from a chicken mentality to an eagle mentality, how critical is that for you right now? And being someone who's got a focus of being a long-term vision where what you're building is not just about you, but it's about your overall influence and impact. And that there's something about reproducing beyond just you. So maybe rank those out of three. Which one's the most important to the least important? It's a great way to activate the word, to appropriate it to you, so that you can actually spend some more time meditating and thinking on that. Awesome. So that's the first key that I wanted to talk about today in, in this word, bringing some teaching. The other uh, key that I wanted to talk about, let me here find it here. Awesome. Here it is. I wanted to talk about, um, again, this theme of touching the sky or vision but I wanted to specifically talk about our ability to see things differently. And I want to refer to a, a particular story here. So let me just do a little bit of teaching and then we'll go there. Uh, today, so many people travel through life without a sense of purpose or vision. Instead, they're consumed by what? By the immediate worries of the day or they carry heavy baggage from their past, which links to Thomas and Sandy's message last week. God wants us to live a powerful, visionary life, a life full of faith to see beyond limitations. God can communicate this, we know, through the Bible, through his word, all of those types of principles. But I want to look at a particular example in the Bible now. Everyone write down this, Acts chapter 9. And you can do further study on this in your own time. But in Acts chapter 9, God meets a guy called Saul on the road to Damascus. And at the time, Saul was, the Bible teaches, a vicious persecutor of Christians. So who thinks to be a vicious persecutor of Christians, he had a certain focus and mentality and perspective, yeah? But God wanted to dramatically change that. So let's have a look here. Saul was a vicious persecutor. He was killing Christians. He didn't believe in, in that Jesus was the Messiah. He had a, a certain focus and a certain perspective. So to get Saul to see life differently, let's look at what God did. God actually blinded him for three days. I want you to write that down for me. God blinded him for three days. Now, in the Bible, God blinded him physically for three days. I'm not teaching this morning that God might have to blind you physically, okay, to change your perspective, all right? That's definitely not what I'm teaching. But can I say this? Sometimes, sometimes you will have to actually encounter a mini season of confusion 
where you can't see clearly. And in that confusion, God is wanting you to cry out in desperation to reach out to him so that God can actually shift your perspective. Because sometimes we can get stubborn in our perspective. And so therefore God, through that stubbornness, because our perspective is, is, is in the wrong area or it's the wrong focus. And sometimes our pride or our ignorance, we can't see it. We've got blind spots. So sometimes God actually has to, to uh, enable us to be a little bit confused sometimes. So we cry it, we're desperate, so that he can bring us clarity and shift our perspective. And this is what happened with Saul. So to get Saul to see life differently, God actually blinded him for three days effectively blinding him from the murderous vision of his past life. Think about that for a second. See, what, what the Bible's saying here is that Saul was so fixated on what he was doing and what he was called to do, his perspective, because he kept reflecting and every time he was killing a Christian, it would feed his anger and then kill another Christian. So actually, rather than, rather than God just rocking up an angel and saying, let's sit down and have a cup of tea and talk this through... Right, there was actually a, a dramatic thing that God had to do to shift the perspective, to get him to not be able to see or focus on those things that had happened in the past that was really fueling his anger and his perspective and his drive and his stubborn pursuit of in the way that he felt he was called to pursue because he actually felt that he was doing the right thing for God because we know that he was... Uh, a Jewish man, he believed that what the Christians were doing and, and, and this, this guy called Jesus, was it wasn't cool and, and it wasn't right. And so he, he was fixated on, on this, this focus. God then part, partnered him with someone who could unlock a new level of vision, restoring his sight. Through the Holy Spirit, Saul was given an entirely new perspective on life, a future vision so powerful that it would ensure he would not return to his past life. So let me read this next bit and we'll expand a little bit more. The Holy Spirit desires to give you a new dream for your heart, a dream that has the power to capture you, change you, and keep you all the days of your life. I want you to write that down for me, all the days of your life, as in that, again, that long-term thing, that settling, that, that establishing you. Not just, not just a dream for the next three months, but he wants to give you a dream. He wants to give you a vision that's connected and established to changing and shifting, not just your perspective, but your identity. Whilst dreams may often be internal, they are intrinsically weaved into the people we share our life with. The people God plants in our lives are often strategic keys to your future. And so what relationships in your life are dream releases? So I want you to write that down. Who are the dream releases in your world? Now, I want to do a little bit of teaching on this. Because Saul, we know, was blinded. But then what happened to him? What was he knocked off? His donkey. And what happened? Who knows the story? Tell me what happened. Pastor Sarah. He was knocked off his donkey. And then he argued with... The donkey? He argued with the donkey and then what happened? Someone else tell me. He was blinded by... Good. He was blinded by... That's the, the key one I was looking for. You know the story. He was blinded by God, but what happened? He was blinded by God and then? Good. He was given instruction. And what was the instruction? Shout it out, Salada. And? Good. And then what happened? Yep. Yep. 
Good. Good. But what happened was he got told what? He got told to stop doing what he was doing. Right? He was given that instruction. Exactly. Why are you persecuting me? He was challenged. Good. So, Sarah, yes, that was right. And then we combine it with that second part, which is correct. So what, what am I saying here is let's have a look. Let's break this down. What Saul, what happened to Saul was he was first blinded and knocked off the donkey. What does that mean? It means that he was taken out of that place of, I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm, what, where I'm going and I, I'm, I'm in control. He was taken off that position into a place of, oh, he was no longer in a place of feeling like he had authority, like he had momentum, and he was blinded, which means he was confused. He couldn't see where he was going. And then he was able to what? He was able to hear the voice of the Lord. That's exactly right. Now, the Bible doesn't go into specifics, but I'm sure if that had happened, he probably, because he had faith in God, he probably cried out and go, God, what's going on? What's happening here? So in life, sometimes when we're talking about touching the sky and reaching out, what's critical imperative is that we understand that sometimes this season where God's trying to get our attention and we can be stubbornly thinking we're going the right direction, God actually has to make us feel a bit unstable, that something sometimes can come from the left or the right and knock us, right? It could be a circumstance, it could be a situation, it could be something that we weren't expecting, it could be a door closing, it could be someone saying something and we think it's just horrible and nasty, whatever, but it's knocking us, knocking the wind out of us, knocking that stubborn authority and it's actually bringing confusion and now I'm not really quite sure what's going on, why is this happening and where am I going and how is this going to affect me? And then in that moment... What would our heart would naturally want to do? God, what's going on? Reaching out to God. God. See, sometimes because we're doing things in our own strength and we might have heard some direction two years ago on something and we've become stubborn and now we're just driving it ourselves. But maybe we're going in a direction which is actually not in alignment to what God wants for us. God will actually use circumstances to knock off Knock, knock us off our place of direction and make us feel unstable and make us feel confused. So we're in a position now where we actually have to humble ourselves, cry out to God and go, God, what's going on? So he can speak to us in a fresh way. And say, so, you know what? I need you to change your perspective. Because the way you're seeing it right now, it's not good. Everyone close your eyes. Hear the Lord saying this. There are some people here today and you know who you are. where you've been pursuing things. But the Lord's saying it's time to hit the refresh button on getting my perspective on not just what you're doing, but the way that you're going about it. I'm hearing the Lord say this, reach out to me. If you experience some wind being knocked out of you or some circumstances pushing you to the side or feeling confusion, not having clarity, I'm hearing the Lord say this. Don't allow that to cause you to be a chicken and just focus on all those things. But allow those things to cause you to be an eagle, to look up now. Touch the sky. 
Reach out to God, says the Lord, and ask me, what's going on? God, what's happening? What do I need to do? Do I need to change anything? Do I need to shift course? Do I need to adjust? Lord, speak to me. Give me guidance. Give me direction. I hear the Lord say this. Don't just be a Rima person. I actually hear this quite clearly. Don't be super spiritual and just be allowing the Lord to speak to you in your spiritual ear. I hear the Lord say this. Let's put more priority on the Word of God itself. Seeking direction and guidance from the Word of God. I'm hearing the Lord say this. Be careful that your emphasis isn't so much on being prophetic that you're only hearing the voice of the Lord through your own concepts, through your own inner ear. I hear the Lord say this, the foundation of everything needs to be tested on Scripture. Go back to the Word, says the Lord. Understand that I speak to you, yes, through the Rema Word, which is speaking to you through Revelation, but go back to the Logos Word. I hear the Lord saying this. This is very critical for some people. I feel like the Lord's saying, do not abdicate from the Logos Word. Don't become so prophetic or spiritual to the point where you're not founding your decision-making on the Logos word. I hear this. Don't be deceived by just building your relationship with the shepherd through just what you hear with your spiritual ear. It must be founded on the Logos word. I hear this. The Lord's saying, come back on track. I'm also hearing this. There are some people who are unsettled in where they're seeking guidance. They're seeking advice. I just see the picture of like a buffet and a smorgasbord. And I hear the Lord say this. I want to reestablish a settling in you to make sure that you're seeking wisdom and guidance from a select crew of people that I'm establishing around you. I'm hearing the Lord say this. Just because you don't like what you hear, don't, don't allow that to cause you to go and to go and seek advice from someone else. That's an unsettling, that's a nomadic a nomadic thing. So Father, I thank you, Lord, right now that you're just speaking to some people here today. Lord, you're encouraging them to reach out to you in a fresh way. Lord, where confusion and sometimes a sense of lack of clarity actually can be you helping us to reach out to you. Father, I thank you, Lord. Encourage your people, Lord, that you're a mighty God. Lord, you're a faithful God who wants to give us guidance and direction in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Last thing I wanted to talk about on this theme of touching the sky is in Genesis chapter 28. So everyone write that down for me. Genesis chapter 28. You got a story of Jacob's ladder. And uh, Jacob's ladder is... You know, when you when you read this story, it's one of the one I think one of the most amazing stories and special moments in the Bible about worship. Because uh, Jacob is in this area, <clears throat> he's traveling in in this particular part of the land that's quite desolate. There's nothing really much exciting that's around, and uh, and you know, in terms of just the circumstances, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this isn't very exciting. This isn't so fantastic, but let's let's have a look at this. Let's just I just want to read a bit of this teaching out, and then I'll expand like I just did last time. So in Genesis twenty-eight, the story of Jacob's ladder is one of the most special worship moments in the Bible, and speaks to us not only as individuals but corporately as a church. On his journey, Jacob experienced a powerful vision of the house of God, and discovered a doorway into heaven. 
And if the church, this is one of my points, if the church of the 21st century is going to become what Christ has envisioned it, we need to discover how to unlock a floodgate that pours the powerful manifest presence of God into the earth. Who agrees with that? Who agrees with that? And so what preceded Jacob's God encounter? What actually was the key for Jacob to touch the sky, so to speak, so to, to have an open heaven where the presence of God, even in a place that didn't really seem very special, what was it that unlocked heaven, that unlocked the presence of God, that made it a moment where there was an ability for Jacob to hear God and to, to feel God's presence and to have clarity of vision and, and get that revelation? So Jacob was heading into the wilderness, fleeing from his past, when in verse 11 he rested in a certain place. For the night, and he put a stone under his head. That sounds really comfortable, doesn't it? Uh, try that tonight. See how that works for you. He put a stone under his head to sleep. Again, that represents not being in a place of comfort. Again, that represents not being uh, comfortable, not being feeling like the eagle in the nest. You know, it's not very comfortable. It causes you to look up. Like Saul, being knocked off, off the, the donkey, getting blinded, causes him spiritually to look out and cry out to God. And then God was able to speak to him, so he's able to hear. Again, Jacob is in a place where he's running away from circumstances. He's in a place that he doesn't really know. It's not really special. And he puts his head down to rest on a stone. Who thinks that that's really, 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 really comfortable? Not. So he's stripped away from his comfort. He's running away from things. The circumstances are not great for him. He's in a place of frustration. And as Jacob was alone and likely reflecting on all he had done, he had no idea that the ordinary place he chose to stop would become the scene of a great vision and encounter from God. So the situation that he was in, the circumstances that he was facing didn't seem like it was a time for him to have a massive encounter with God. And yet it was the very place that God wanted to bring a breakthrough in his life. So let's have a look at the rest. When, I, when we think about this, I want you to think about how easy it is sometimes to, to actually be like Jacob and feel like Jacob and just go, what's going on? This is ridiculous. And, you know, this isn't a very special season in my life right now. And nothing's really breaking through and I'm really frustrated. Or it could be some things are, are breaking through, but your perspective on certain things are old school. Old school. I'm hearing the Lord say this very clearly. There are some people here and you need to forgive the house of God. And I hear this, not necessarily this house of God. The house of God experience you had years ago, it's still stopping you from actually getting established in the house of God that's positioned to bless you. Related to Thomas, Thomas and Sandy's message, you, it's beyond, beyond yesterday, folks. Can I, can I say this? The house of God is established to be a place of dreams and for your dreams to be activated. I think sometimes we're so waiting for the house of God to support our own individual dreams. But I'm hearing this. You've got to sow a seed first. God will not be mocked. You sow what you reap. If you don't actually support the house of God, as in if you don't really get behind it, maybe because you've had an old past wound that's just not broken off, you won't, and you're waiting for, to be encouraged by the house of God, but yet you're not willing to encourage the house of God yourself, there'll always be a disconnect and there'll be a mystery in your heart going, what, what is it? I'm trying, I'm striving, but what is it? I'm telling you, I know for my own life I've had to deal with this. 
Can I just say the house of God is a place? Because this is what Jacob, you know, Bethel Church right now, whether you like Bethel Church or don't like Bethel Church, that's another sermon. Okay? All right? But Bethel, the name Bethel Church comes from the, 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 the name Bethel, the location of where Jacob actually has this encounter with God. Right? It's actually, the, and, and, and Bethel, the, if you look at the reason why it was called Bethel, because it means encounter with God, it means an open heaven. And I, I know this, I know this <clears throat> for my life, that um, my heart towards the house of God has been one of the biggest keys to floodgates opening in our own lives. The, the way our heart is positioned. Can I say this? Um, passionately, uh, I think globally there are some people who need to just deal with, I think sometimes God needs to not deal with their superficial commitment to the things of God. They say all the right things, but really they just don't carry through with it. And that, that's, that's not to have a go at anyone here. That's just to say this. From a father's heart, you'll always be floundering with stuff and there'll be a disconnect when you kind of keep saying stuff, but you don't actually deal with the reality check in your heart. We've got, to, we've got to really sit down with God sometimes and say, hey, God, I've got to move beyond yesterday. If I got hurt by my old church, I've got to deal with it because you'll come into a new church where God wants to position you to take you forward in the next thing. But can I say this? Sometimes if we haven't dealt with a past hurt, we come into a new church and we're always kind of sitting there in our hearts going, Let's see if they encourage me. Let's see if they get behind my vision, my goals. Let's see how much they really support me. And yet the irony is the Bible says you need to sow first. I mean, how crazy is it that you're expecting to reap where you're not willing to sow? That is the, that's the epitome right there of spiritual frustration. When you're in your life and you're expecting to reap relationally, or reap something and you're not willing to sow because there's a blockage there, you'll just be spiritually frustrated. And you'll have a season of disconnect relationally. You'll try and strive to it. You'll say all the right things, but it won't really quite come together. And then you'll probably move on and try somewhere else. But it'll be this cycle. And it's not a fun cycle. So that was for someone here. Amen. To encourage you that God has so much for you. And the house of God is a part of that equation. You know, if we look here in, in this story of Jacob's letter, um, how easy it to be, is it to be like Jacob and lower your expectations of God when these are circumstances and situations? Sometimes I even, just adding to what I was, I feel like people lower their expectations of how critical and important the house of God is in, un- is in unlocking the dreams that God has for you. Just how you relate to the house of God, I think, is a critical way. It says here, well, in the scripture, Genesis 28, 12 says, Then he dreamed, so he lay down on a rock, really uncomfortable. And then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending, and ascending and descending. And when Jacob awoke from his vision, he declared, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. 
So what we're saying here, if we look a little bit more at the teaching, is Jacob had stopped in a very ordinary place. Everyone say ordinary. Very ordinary place. I think sometimes in our heart, we can see that the house we think or our perspective is that the house of God, it's ordinary. Oh, yeah, it's just a bunch of people get together. They sing a bit, bit of a sermon, a couple of Danishes. Particularly if we've had, you know, if we're running away from a, a, some frustration or we're in a season of hardship or we've been hurt from church before, I think sometimes we can have this wrong perspective of oh, the house of God really can't do much for me. Yeah, yeah, I'll just go every now and then because it's what I have to do. And Yeah. So Jacob is running away from some frustration and he's in this place and he's like, all right, it's this, this place. So I know that he actually wasn't in a building or the house of God, but I'm talking about in his heart, his attitude, in terms of how he was related and where he was, where he was positioned. So Jacob had stopped in a very ordinary place. However, when heaven opened above him, Jacob realized that it was transformed. That it was transformed into uh, something that was awesome. When a spiritual connection represented by the ladder was made between God and man, heaven and earth. And God wants to take us as a church from no particular place. So now I'm speaking corporately in terms of our mindset and our perspective. I've been doing most of this message on our individual mindset and perception and that God wants to, to help us to take that to the next level. But now corporately, in this, in this word here, God wants to take us as a church from no particular place to an awesome place. And what does awesome mean? I mean, sometimes the word awesome, you know, just gets used to the point where it's just like, seriously. That's okay. I actually like the word awesome because it actually means awe, means like as in you're in awe. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a place where there's just an absolute sense of awe. Now, when God's in the house of God, it is awesome because God's there and God needs to be awed. It's like, oh, 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 wow, God's here. But you know what? Even when God's here, sometimes our perspective won't allow us to see it. And sometimes we need to get uncomfortable and God will cause our head spiritually to be on a, on a stone, as in it's uncomfortable for us to be hungry enough to want God to turn up. Think about it this way in your life. Sometimes when you get so frustrated or annoyed or circumstantially, then it can actually cause you to come to church with a sense of expectation. God, I really, I really need to hear from you today. God, I really need a breakthrough in worship. God, I really I want something from the word today. But you know, if everything's kind of, you know, oh yeah, I'm going along, I'm doing great. Oh yeah, go to the house of God. It's like, yeah, rock up. And your perspective is, oh yeah, this is an ordinary place. It's okay, worship. I mean, I don't think people here in our church think that our church is an ordinary place. We have a great family. We have a great sense of team. We have a great sense of unity. God's moving in this place. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm just doing is I'm just challenging no perspective of when it comes to the house of God and when it comes to touching heaven and earth, we've got to understand that there's something critically strategic about how 
we relate to the house of God and that how we relate to God in the house of God, that we will come to seek the Lord in the house of God. I know for me, when our prayer team are praying for the atmosphere, we're praying for people in our church, we're praying for people's families, we're praying for people's marriages, we're praying for our things to be broken off and we're praying for people to be established. Can I tell you that our prayer team and all of our teams and our leaders, we fight for the atmosphere of this church, for it to be a great place. And I know it's a great place. But it doesn't matter how amazing this place is sometimes. It depends on your perspective and how you come in order for what you receive. And so in this teaching here, Jacob had stepped into a very ordinary place. However, when heaven opened above him, Jacob realized that it was transformed into something that was awesome. A spiritual connection represented by the ladder that was made between God and man, heaven and earth. God wants to take us as a church from no particular place to an awesome place. And this story of Jacob touches, or sorry, touches, teaches us that as a church, we should be a place where dreams from God are received. This is a place where dreams from God are received. Let me say that again. This is a place where you come, where God wants to put dreams into your heart, or he wants to hit the refresh button on your dreams, or he wants to restore vision to you. This is a place where we, we, we have a time of open heaven, where God is here in this place, where we, we get anointed by God, we get empowered by God, where the Holy Spirit uh, enables you know, the Holy Spirit to move freely, where there's a ladder, where there's a connection going on. I'm going to ask Pastor Jason to come. And so a couple of things here. We talked about Abram transitioning to being Abraham, going out first and getting a new perspective. That helped him to transition from not only his name but his circumstances, the tent, chicken to the eagle. We talked about his ability to see himself reproducing. We saw he had a longer-term vision. We talked about Saul being knocked off the donkey and him being blinded and confused and then asking for God and God to speak to him to give him fresh perspective and vision. We looked at this last story of Jacob at the ladder and that even though he was running away from circumstances and he thought he was in this ordinary place where nothing was fantastic and then he was uncomfortable and then heaven opened up. It was an amazing place of awesomeness because he could see what God wanted to do. This is my, my last challenge for you. How are you going? How are you going? That's what I feel the Lord would ask you if he was to have a cup of tea with you one-on-one. How are you going? No, really, how are you going? He would say. And he'd probably say, no, really, 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 how are you going? What am I trying to illustrate here? I feel like the Holy Spirit saying, He's trying to peel back the layers, church. Imagine like you're an onion. And Jesus, because his motives are right, wants to get into the core. But to get to the core, he has to peel back the layers. He has to peel back the layers of, I'm okay. I'm great. Everything's peachy keen. <laughs>